Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, figgins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey everyone, this is John Rocha from Collider. By now, you've likely heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all of these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus is one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From beloved classics like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame to critically acclaimed documentaries like National Geographic's Free Solo, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. Disney Plus also offers some of the most beloved TV shows of all time, including 30 seasons of the Emmy Award-winning animated series The Simpsons. And if that weren't enough, Disney Plus has also rolled out a host of originals like The Mandalorian, the first-ever Star Wars live-action series, and high school musical The Musical The Series, a very meta take on the beloved film franchise. It's no wonder Disney Plus has become one of the most talked-about streaming services of 2019. So don't miss out. Sign up for Disney Plus now and start streaming all this great content today. It's that little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Giant Size Heroes number 31. That's right. This is the last episode that would fill in a standard month.
I don't know what else is important about the number 31. All numbers are special. I, I will make them all count. It is also the numbers of years I have been alive. Aww. It is also the number of days in the month we are currently in. Oh, yeah, 31. Very all of important. that is true. Welcome to December. Just uh, wait until episode 37 where I make a ton of Kevin Smith jokes. 37? <laughs> oh, my. <You've, laughs> Amy's not this ready. This is a recurring theme on the podcast. Look, I love his work, and I love those movies. She's got six weeks to, to fortify and to prep, uh, prep her, her retaliatory comments. But can I just say that uh, considering his work as a whole, the whole idea behind that quote is rebutted by the entirety of the film Chasing Amy. That's true. That's true. And he's even commented on the fact that he's grown mm-hmm. and his opinions on things. Okay. It doesn't change how exciting the number is to yell with an exclamation point. Okay, fair. So we can hold on to that. And the jerseys he wears. Maybe I'm shouting out his jersey. All right, we are back in the game. This is episode 31, soon to be number 37 commentary in six weeks. We are this... recording this just after Thanksgiving. We are still loopy from Turkey. Very uh, true. And you have uh, sent us some cool questions that I think we'll get to at the end, but we're just doing all the fun stuff roundup this week. Yeah, it was a very light week, uh, so we're going to cover some stuff we might not ordinarily because it was both Thanksgiving and Black Friday, so happy holidays to all you lovelies. And this is obviously recorded uh, a bit earlier. So if news breaks, we apologize. Uh, We're going to kick it off with Robert Pattinson continues to, for me, say some stuff that I think is very interesting about Batman. I have really enjoyed Pattinson's seeming take. Uh, He said this week that Batman is not a superhero. It doesn't count. You need to have, like, magical powers to be a superhero. Uh, To me... I think that shows that he's going to be a freaking detective and a crazy person in a suit. Uh, I know that a lot of people see Batman in a lot of different ways, and a lot of people have opinions on what the word superhero means. I think you can be a hero without being a superhero. I think that uh, he is a hero amongst gods, so I like the idea that he is a bit more normal uh, in, in the traditional sense. But uh, he also said Batman's not a hero, though. He's a complicated character. I don't think I could ever play a hero. There's always got to be something a little bit wrong. I think it's because one of my eyes is smaller than the other one. Um <laughs> Again, I'm very excited to see a more grizzled take. I I personally would prefer it to be someone that can get hurt, someone that would not win against Superman, someone that is a detective. Uh, So all of these quotes sound to me like my Batman, and I've also thought Batman was always a little crazy in the fact that he wars on crime by punting homeless people at times. So I would love to hear Amy's – he's he's got a complicated character. Yeah, like it's kind of an – yes, like yes, we've all realized. Um, But uh, my favorite thing about these rounds of quotes is – that as we go into Robert Pattinson as Batman season, it is good that we make as widely known as possible that, like, Pattinson in interviews is like if Gail Simone didn't know what she was doing with her Twitter account. Just Sometimes concepts. it's just nonsense. Uh, and I think that is fun, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but the best part of this quote for me uh, from him talking to The Times, The New York Times, was uh, – I just fear that when I say any, anything about Batman, people online are like, what does this mean? And I don't know. I used to be very good <laughs> at censoring myself, but I've said so many ridiculous things over the years. So I'm always curious when I'm promoting these movies how many times I can mess up. It feels like with every movie that comes out, there's always one quote from me where it's like, how? What kind of out-of-body experience produced that screaming nonsense? <laughs> Which I just see that quote. Oh, that's so good. One of my favorite things I've ever read where he's just like, I said what? Why did I do that? Uh, oh, that quote was after an ad. Thank you, Amy, <laughs> because I would have missed that goal. That is now my favorite quote from that mess. That is that is exactly encapsulating like how we we you and I see his quotes. Like he just nailed it. We're just like, oh, you 
You scamp, no. Robert Pattinson. You're saying things. Um, on the other hand, he has hit on, on, like, it's not that he's wrong here. There is a longstanding, as we talked about on the show on Tuesday, uh, there is a longstanding, somewhat pedantic, but also pretty interesting comic book debate about, like, who is technically a superhero? Does it require superpowers or does it not? Mm-hmm. Um, and I came down on the probably nonsensical but makes sense to me side of, like, if you tell me Batman is not a superhero because he doesn't have powers, I will agree and say that makes sense. But if you say Batman stars in superhero comics because superhero comics are a large genre and he's one of the most famous people in it, I will agree with that and say no problems with it. So that's where I stand. I stand on both sides like two faces. <laughs> Fitting. Yes. <laughs> uh, once again, Robert Pattinson, please keep talking. Uh, I, I love your quotes and I cannot wait to see your we're Batman. We're on board and we're just going to hand out grains of salt to our audience as we go. Yep, yep. Team our bats talking and Team Pattinson quotes. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got Kevin Feige is officially heading to Brazil for the Brazil Comic Con. Every year I feel like this con gets bigger and bigger. Yes. Uh, this is, I, I think, like, we, we need to take a moment. Like, this has become one of the major cultural moments in each year. Yeah. Now, what I'm curious about is that in the last couple, we have tended to get, like, a special poster from it or something, but they have not tended to, like, it has tended to be, like Comic-Con, some footage that the rest of us are not going to see for a while. Like the Venom stuff we didn't see, the Spider-Man Far From Home stuff we didn't see. What are you expecting for this time? I think they get a new Black Widow trailer, Mm. which we have seen some of, so they'll get, like, a different taste. I think they might be the first people to get some Eternals. Because it comes out in November, which means they've been filming for a little while. It'll be rough. It'll be, like, you know, fairly mo-cappy. Some glimpses. Uh, yeah, I think they're getting some Eternals. And I also think uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon footage. I think they're going to get that, that trifecta. This was not one of when, when people asked when we expected to see that footage. None of us put down Brazil as a guess, but I'm thinking maybe we missed the boat on that one. Hail Mary. Deadpool announcement. <laughs> I mean, maybe. At this point, Amy just laughs at me. Uh, No, but, like, it's a big thing, and between now— I'm going to be very happy for you when and if that does happen. Oh, it's coming. (laughs) But, like, I I don't think there's another con until—like, another big one until, what, WonderCon? Uh, yeah, next big one I would say is WonderCon. And I don't think they do it at WonderCon. I think Deadpool's coming sooner than we think, and I think Brazil would be a lot of opportunity to have, like, See, the flavor of Deadpool in I the trailer. I think a hint of X-Men or FF is going to come before we get an official Deadpool announcement. I think. I love this. I could be wrong. I think Deadpool's first, but but— we uh, ooh, I like this because we have recordings to go back on, like how crazy yeah. we are. Oh, yeah. Because it could be like five years away. <laughs> we're like, remember that time in 2020? We were like, maybe. We don't – you don't know what year it is. It's currently 2019. But it's so close. I started rounding up. That's fair. Because I always forget honestly. when I'm writing dates and then all of a sudden it's June. I'm like, oh, no, the year changed. We all forget to change it in the new year and you're just overcompensating. You're, maybe you're on to something. I started rounding uh, to being 30 at 27. Like when I was 27 because I thought I was going to die at 27 because I had an ego. Uh, have an ego. Uh, so I was like, only the cool people die at 27. So I was like, I'm, I'm 30 now that I'm 27. Like, So I just skipped it. So now it's December. It's okay. 2020. It's the negative first month of 2020. See? And now it's going to feel way more like, ah. <laughs> also, I started my New Year's resolutions already. That way, when I get to January, I don't feel like I failed if I miss a day because I've got the warm-up. I'm like, That's I'm pretty like, rad. I'm doing a jog. That yeah. way I can sprint January 1. Where the rest of us are living in 2019 and Koi is literally living in 2020. <laughs> I did all my resolutions yesterday, uh, November, no, uh, two days ago, and then I wrote them all out. And then starting uh, on the first, I started doing them. That way, when there are foibles, I get uh, like a training montage. I'm chasing myself in Mario Kart. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, next up, we've got a cool rumor, and I wanted to talk about this because I usually don't talk about rumors, and Amy and I usually are like, it needs to have a source, but it's a cool conversation, kind of like the Superman conversation we had on Tuesday's episode. Um, I love this idea to the point where I hope it's true. 
I love the idea of Nightmare being a villain that ties WandaVision into Loki and Doctor Strange. Mm. I'd love if there was an undercurrent, because I think that character has a lot of potential. And especially with the horror elements that Doctor Strange we've heard about, he's also a great fit for WandaVision, which I hadn't put together. Mm. Uh, So I would love if there's a major villain that connects the TV and the film world that isn't we talked about how we worried about Scarlet Witch being the big bad and, like, the, the, the I have, general— I have complicated feelings about the Scarlet Witch breakdown story, which is both one of her most famous stories and one that is very easy to sort of mishandle or, like, I, there's a lot of pitfalls there. I would love if there was a nightmare influence that caused it. Yeah. I would love if there was an external source because then you could do the story that is so iconic without being the stereotypical hysterical woman problem. Yeah. Like, well, that it, would solve it's that. like, I don't want a stereotypical hysterical woman situation, but I also don't want to rob the actress of a chance to play a vengeful grief story. Stricken woman. That's cool, too. I don't want to rob the audience of, like, an iconic storyline they love, the actress of a performance that she would kill at, or people that are like, well, we've seen that. Like, it's it's the best of all worlds if you use Nightmare. I think it's a good call. So I wanted to bring that up because it's, it's a great theory. Uh, they only mentioned WandaVision and Multiverse. I think it could also tie into Loki, and I think it would be a cool uh, psychological Thanos, if you will, like a different kind of arching villain. This does make it – it's one of the, the pitfalls of, of uh, what we do, which is trying to make lots of guesses and nail down lots of predictions, is that if, in fact, WandaVision just starts as a sitcom – uh, and we would like there to be an element of mystery as to what is going on. If we all know exactly what is going on by the time it gets here, it's less fun. True. Uh, but, but we've yet to have that happen, except for maybe Age of Ultron. I feel like that was the only time I was like, mm, I've seen this movie. Because mm. there were so many trailers for that that by the time it came out, I was like, I'm just connecting trailers. Aww, like my brain was just putting sad. them together. Yeah. My... I think I was still mostly trailer avoiding at that point, so I was a little better off. But I, a Cool thing, I saw that movie in South Africa. What? So I was in South Africa when Age of Ultron came out. So I saw it a week before the States. But I also walked out of that theater into the area that was being the Hulk smash, like the, the Hulkbuster. Dang. So I was I was in the neighborhoods where the Hulkbuster was watching that movie, and it was really cool. Yeah, I couldn't. I can't remember where that stuff took place. That's awesome. Yeah, because everyone was stressed that that was Wakanda, and they were like, no. And then they, you know, <laughs> Black Panther happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, the most important story of the week. I love that you put this on the rundown. Maybe the most important story we've ever covered. Danny DeVito has, as of press, wait, it's loading, 42, nope, 54,573 signatures on change.org to play Wolverine. That's right, the only man able to take the throne after Hugh Jackman. We believe that if Wolverine is to make an appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that the only man able to pull it off is Danny DeVito. A couple good reasons as to why I believe so strongly that he suits the character. Danny DeVito's height is a lot closer to the comic books, with Danny being 4'10", Wolverine 5'3". Secondly, we also saw Danny's portrayal of the trash man, so we know he's full of capable of fighting and that he's not afraid of things getting dirty guys 53 54 now thousand people have signed this and frankly <laughs> this is what change.org is for is it i just it's every time people bring up change.org as a as an example of things actually happening i will now refer to the danny devito saga because <laughs> this is huge danny devito is fifty four thousand signatures i don't want to say that like Look, he's a talented performer, and I believe he could probably accomplish any task he set his mind to. I don't think he's sitting at home being like, sure, wish I could play Wolverine. He's much closer to the Bob Hoskins 80s theory, because Bob <laughs> Hoskins was almost Wolverine once. Mm. And Danny DeVito's way closer than Hugh Jackman to Bob Hoskins. Uh, but I love that the people are behind this. <laughs> give me give me Charlie Day as Magneto, and give me Mac as Cyclops. <laughs> give me Sweet D as Jean Grey. I am all in. Dennis is who would Dennis be? Beast. <laughs> it is never oh, sunny in Westchester. I have written a horrible movie. 
But yeah, I just this this made the rounds. It made me very happy, and I was like, I wonder if Amy will even see this on the rundown, and how will that go? It was amazing. I'm so glad <laughs> to have it in my life. Uh, did you see the concept art for Endgame? I did. Uh, so there was some new concept art released this week. Comicbookmovie.com has some beautiful images, and it is amongst my favorite concept art because there is the the two shot uh, of Hulk. Is so freaking cool. So there's a shot of kind of a fastball special situation happening, but imagine the turducken of fastball specials. Yes! It is the Hulk holding Spider-Man, but Giant-Man is holding the Hulk. So imagine a, 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 a Russian nesting doll of superheroes being launched presumably at Thanos or maybe one of the giant aliens in the sky. It is beautiful. Okay, but imagine it's Colossus and he's holding Danny DeVito. Oh, oh that's everything I need. Imagine it's Colossus holding Deadpool or something, Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> it's Colossus holding Ryan Reynolds cradling Danny DeVito. I would, again, like to clarify that Danny DeVito is a talented performer and should he actually want to do this, <laughs> would probably kill at it. But, like, it is clearly a comedy pick and he is a very funny guy and it is hard to imagine him not cracking us up. It's beautiful. Uh, it's so... I think art. Uh, so, yeah, uh, also, I'm going to be fan-casting Danny DeVito a lot. Uh, but, yeah, this this concept art on comicbook.com is gorgeous. It's got a, a dual hammer-wielding Thor. Mm. It's got a, a beautiful, like, a fight between Thanos and Thor with both both swords. Uh, there was swords, also one that hammers. showed, like, a shot of Tony and, and uh, Shuri that would have been really cool. Yeah, yeah, near the top, there's also uh, a bunch of, like, scenes that didn't even come to pass. There's a cool team-up shot with War Machine, um, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and uh, Gwen Stacy. Gwyneth Paltrow, what was her? Uh, Pepper Potts. What was her? Rescue. Uh, rescue, thank you. Gwen Stacy as Iron Man is where my brain just <laughs> went, and I had to track it back. Uh, rescue, Iron Man, War Machine, and Spider-Man teaming up, so all the Iron Bros and Lady as a unit. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. So check out all this concept art because they they made the biggest movie ever. But there was even more in previs. Let's see what else happened this week. The Guardian script is done. Yay! Guardians three. Karen Gillan came out and said how wonderful the script is. Surprise, surprise! James Gunn can write some good, heartbreaking, and funny stuff. She described it as wonderful. I can say that I've read it and it's amazing. We're all really excited that James is back to complete the trilogy because it wouldn't have felt right without him. It's a wonderful, wonderful script. Yeah, so she's on the press tour for Jumanji right now. Um, but it, we don't have a date for Guardians 3 yet, but it's nice to know it's done. She's on board. Uh, and, the, you know, I mean, I assume she wouldn't trash it anyway. But, like, I'm still happy to I'm hear just, it. I'm just yeah. knowing it's done. It's just nice. I'm happy to hear it's printed somewhere. Yeah. Like, just to the knowledge. <laughs> uh, and then we also had a very uh, important uh, moment this week uh, with Melissa Benoist, who is obviously our wonderful Supergirl. And I'm really proud and and this is a tricky thing to say i'm i'm really glad that she's so well spoken in how she handled this because i think it's going to help a lot of people uh so i i hate that it happened to her but i think that what she did with this horrible thing was really wonderful so melissa benoist has done something uh i i think truly heroic she released a video this week if you have not seen it uh all the content warnings uh for the stuff that she went through but uh Melissa Benoist posted a video on Instagram uh, followed up by a post with links to uh, websites with resources and to a hotline for people who might be suffering from domestic violence or intimate partner violence, uh, IPV. Uh, and she shared a story that the rest, none of the rest of us knew about what she went through uh, some time back with someone that she doesn't name uh, but who uh, – she describes a very, very harrowing experience, set of experiences, um, and uh, I think that took a ton of courage. I think it 
was an incredible statement, and I think it is likely to help a lot of folks. Uh, if you uh, are catching that message or listening to this and think you might be in an unhealthy situation, there are ways out. Uh, take it from Supergirl. Uh, you can get to better things, and you deserve to live and be loved without violence, uh, which, you know, you hate that it has to be said, but it has to be said. Uh, and I thought that was really amazing. So uh, we applaud her and thank her for sharing that, which cannot have been easy. I also I want to just commend what the CW actors have done with their social media. Like, I feel like all of them have done really, really powerful things. This being the I can't imagine the, the difficulty of, of doing this. But I, I people give social media a lot of crap and, and a lot of times it is used incorrectly. But this wasn't a over dramatized uh, 60 minutes interview. This wasn't a, you know, uh, it got brought up uh, with paparazzi like she took it upon herself to to post using social media so she controlled the narrative and she had the the complete control of what she wanted to say and there was no pressure and i just thought it was really beautiful that she used social media for this and i'm gonna read out she says uh in the instagram post following up the video if you are in crisis and need assistance to find a safe way out call the domestic violence hotline 1-800-799-SAFE 1-800-799-7233 or go to futureswithoutviolence.org to learn how you can help raise awareness about domestic violence and break the cycle of abuse. Those are That's from her Instagram. Uh, and, yeah, uh, we stand with Melissa. She's a superhero. I just I – just, yeah, so we wanted, we wanted to talk about that today, and hopefully uh, no one in this audience uh, of us needs that number, but it is very important that if you do, you have that. Uh, on to much, 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 much lighter things. Thor <laughs> almost wore a cape with his quantum realm suit, and it's very funny. <laughs> I, I think it looks great. I think it looks so great, but it's so like it Tell adds Tell the people that, what we're talking about. Uh, so the quantum suits in Endgame, those beautiful white suits that very, very, very – much that was our first red herring, I think, with what was going on with this movie. Because we saw those suits in previs before we had a trailer, before we had anything. We we're like, "What is that?" And the Avengers typically don't have suits. I remember the number of episodes we talked about a costume mm-hmm. on various heroes things. That was like such a vexing. And those suits almost featured Thor in the suit, but still with his red cape, which is very Thor Ragnarok to me. The fact <laughs> that he would be like, "No, I'm a god," and like kept his cape on. Yeah, um, it's very funny. Uh, if you want to check out uh, once again, comicbook.com. Um, and he also has like you know the disheveled beard belly combo. So there's a lot of there's a lot going on in the image. Um, <laughs> bro slash Big Lebowski Thor is putting in the work with the cape, uh, and it's just it's beautiful. I I love this movie's so dense and it still has so many what it almost was. Yeah. For the next ten years, we can unpack what Endgame could have been, Which and is that's fun. so rad. Just yeah. like comics. Just like quantum theory, there's a hundred other options of what it could have been. <laughs> so uh, check that out on comicbook.com and uh, Brandon Davis. Keep killing it. Uh, this was <laughs> this baffled me because I love Power Rangers. I love Stan Lee. Stan Lee tried to adapt the Power Rangers long ago, and I cannot imagine what that would have been because I can just hear Stan's like trademark yelling of, of phrases. Like I can just hear very excited like Excelsiors and like all of the things. Like Power Rangers have a lot of those big moments of cheer, but I imagine they would have been yelling stuff that Stan yelled. <laughs> so I had this whole daydream about like the flute and like summoning the dinosaur, but when he was done, he just like yelled out like it just it's 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 a very great bit for me 
So, yeah, apparently this has been known for a while, but it was brought to a bunch of people's attention via the Toys That Made Us series, which I hear is fantastic, but I haven't d- dived into yet. I have Netflix. not yet either. Um, apparently we're both going to melt down if what I'm hearing <laughs> is true when we watch the show because uh, everyone says they've been doing a great job. Uh, walking through a lot of the pop culture history that influenced us and the things that we love. Uh, But apparently before we ever had what we know as the Power Rangers, the original Super Sentai series was a thing just out there in the world. And Stan Lee, who honestly can often spot a good thing, uh, was like, this is something Marvel could do a good job with. We could make a cartoon. We could make some comics. We could do this. Uh, And... Weirdly, when you think about it, it's not actually out of line. Not think at about all. the other things that Marvel did. They did G.I. Joe mm-hmm. and they did Transformers. And those things worked out pretty dang well. Things went okay. Those runs are iconic comic book runs. And Stanley, of all people, would, would see the value in like Super Sentai, which is the the general genre of, I mean, hello, masked heroes. Uh, fighting interesting larger-than-life threats. And who knows? Maybe this got us that amazing Spider-Man that is very Power Rangers-based. Well, it, it's vice versa, I believe. They, like, this, I think, because the, the Japanese Spider-Man had happened. Oh, And was why he was already sort of aware of this space. stuff. And, got like, it. was sort of like, here's another thing that would be, like, maybe we could borrow that back for the comics and, or make a pilot. Or, amazing. And then apparently uh, the woman, Margaret Lesh, who he was working with on that, once she left Marvel, went to Fox Animation, where she was a driving force behind both the X-Men animated series that we love, mm-hmm. and according to this article, uh, the person who then eventually greenlit when Saban came around and brought them Super Sentai again to do Power Rangers. Now, I might be mistelling some of that. That's but like, so cool. It's just a, you know... It could have happened, and is, I think, a lot more logical than you might... Uh, than, <laughs> than than prior first thought. Uh, we also had a really cool shot this week from Stephen M. Colbert, not Stephen Colbert of Stephen Colbert, Colbert fame. Uh, he released a series of images from the Snyder Cut that I had never seen before, and uh, this is actually the first time I've seen Willem Dafoe in more than one image from the Snyder Cut. They are these striking black and white images, and uh, Willem Dafoe looks like so badass. And these are from, uh, like, unreleased material. I probably borrowed, I'm going to guess, from Snyder on Vero or something like that? I couldn't find the source. It, it Literally, this guy is the first place I saw them, and he was cited on a bunch of websites. Uh, so it's on his Twitter, but it's the first I'd seen of any of this. Um, we're still getting those glimpses. We're, you know, piece by – at the end of the day, we could probably edit together some sort of still frame Snyder cut, which someone's probably done. Now that I've said it, there's probably a YouTube of someone, like, putting these images in some sort of order. Amy Amy is thinking this is a horrible thing for me to say, but here I am. Uh, <laughs> now, we also – this week, this story made me really happy. I wrote, Chris Hemsworth, unlike Thor, is the god of hammers. Truly uh, one of the great uh, headline rundowns on our weekly <laughs> podcast rundown. <laughs> Unlike Thor, Chris, god of hammers, has a rule at home. His lovely wife, Elsa Pataki, has a rule that he may not bring home any more hammers because apparently he picks the best places in the house to just prop them up and he brings home four to five per movie. (laughs) So uh, she said, quote, yes, he always picks the best places in the house. And while Chris brings home at least one Mjolnir, sometimes four to five, it's not going there. We have five of them for every movie he's done. Like, seriously, no. So she had to lay down a new household rule. No more movie props in the house. He's going to 
end up with an entire like guest home that's just, just hammers on every wall. Like you remember remember the stuff with Daryl? Like I'm just picturing yeah. him and like his hammer like in a bassinet or like uh-huh. him like hanging it like like. Well, and the problem with Thor leaving his hammers everywhere in canon no is you can't them. move them. Yeah, they're like on the mail, and you're like, cool, the mail's not blowing away, but also we can't read it. That Hot Toys of Spider-Man where it's on the toilet and Spider-Man's yeah. like. <laughs> I just love the idea that I keep picturing that one scene from Thor Dark World where he hangs it on the coat rack, but that's actually just Chris. Like, just like, mm, that's where that goes. Also, him running around the house, like, calling for lightning. Uh, Chris Helmsworth, your uh, your wife, this was a great interview. This made me very happy. Also, she's great in Fast and the Furious, if for some reason you're listening to this, Chris Helmsworth. Um, but, yeah, I, that made me very happy. Or if she's listening to this. Yeah, also, you might be listening to this. Elsa, you're amazing. Uh, I, I just Also, did you know she was the kiss at the end of Thor Dark World? No! Uh, so the the scene that was Natalie Portman, that was J- the, the Jane Foster post credit scene was yeah. his wife. Uh, that like loving kiss between Thor and Jane was actually Elsa. Aww. Which is one of my favorite little Easter eggs that it's like it's, it's Chris that. and his real wife sharing an intimate moment on camera. That's sweet. Isn't that great? That's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of my favorite little Easter eggs. Uh, so he is the god of hammers and <laughs> George Clooney is Batman. This story. Okay. So whenever I travel internationally, one of my favorite things is finding all of the espresso ads of George Lucas. Have you seen them? No. George Clooney has an entire international like line of espresso ads. Uh, the South African airport and I believe the, uh, the Australian airport are covered in George Clooney espresso ads. They are hilarious. I'm going to show you one so you understand the depth. Because his okay. eyes are okay. like, he looks afraid. <laughs> like, some, like someone is like, you do this ad. Like he clearly, it's a very, it's a very funny thing. Uh, so we found out this week that apparently he is doing these ads in order to pay for a satellite over Sudan to monitor horrible crimes against humanity. That's the most Batman shit I have ever heard. <laughs> so, yes, this story went viral this week. It is from a few years ago, uh, and I had missed it at the time for sure um, because I had heard a lot about he has been a very high-profile advocate over the years, um, especially for what was happening and has been has happened uh, in Sudan, now Sudan and South Sudan. Uh, the, there's a complicated real-world history there, but he... Uh, did so much work, even got arrested protesting, trying trying to bring attention to what was going on in that situation. And at one point was the initial donor to and like patron of a program that a lot of people contributed to. It looks like some, some more information about the program has now come back out. You can read about like where they think it went well, where they think it didn't. Um, and so the satellite was someone else's and some of the imagery was donated, but like startup funds for it actually did come from George Clooney for this program that that would use some of that satellite imagery to try to potentially influence policy, to try to potentially give early warning to folks of military movements uh, in what, yeah, is frankly a very Batman movie. It's the most. Like, <laughs> I've read Justice League comics about this. He does. Batman owns a satellite to protect people, and, and now so does George. We are being lighthearted about what was uh, and continues in some ways to be uh, real-life tragic events. Uh, but it, it is sort of a startling uh, alignment of the real and fictional personas there. He also does apologize for his Batman portrayal and will refund your money if you tell him you saw Batman in theaters. That is a true story. That's real? That's real. Oh my gosh. Uh, I actually, I was at a friend of mine 
had just run into him and Adam West at a thing and like he apologized to Adam West for ruining Batman back when we still had Adam West like George came up to him and was like I'm so sorry and like my friend saw it firsthand I'm like that is the best and apparently if you talk to him he's like I'm so sorry and gives you like $10 that's, like George Clooney is a Batman apologist while being Batman that's it's George it's fine it's, that was not your fault <laughs> wasn't your fault really also, wasn't your fault amongst my favorite Gothams I love Joel Schumacher's <laughs> Gotham because it is a freaking trip it is a whole journey uh, in the world of TV we don't have a lot of TV news this week except watch Watchmen. Speaking yeah. of watching Watchmen, Jeremy Irons talked to Collider. We know those guys about Watchmen and some of these quotes. Did you I get a chance to read this article? I did. This was great. It's a great, great interview. Thank you, Christina Radish. Uh, the interview, basically, you should check it out. It's on Collider.com. But one of my favorite things is him talking about uh, reading Watchmen and then also like how he grew up reading uh, something called The Eagle, The Beano, and The Dandy, which I did not those know. Those are three different books. Oh! The Eagle Awards <laughs> were uh, some of the early awards that Alan Moore got. Uh, Beano is a classic, like, silly kids comic strip uh, out of England. My boss, Paul of the shop. Yeah. Well, uh, Grew up on Beano. Grew no up on way. all that stuff. He's English. Um, uh, but I yeah. made it the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Like, I just I read this one thing. <laughs> but the, what's great is that, like, these, those are sort of typical, like, kids, at least two out of three of them, the ones that I'm more familiar with are, are kind of common kids' comics. Uh, I know that the Eagle Awards, I think, were named after the Eagle as a, like, standout of British. What's funny is that this means Jeremy Irons never got into 2080. It also <laughs> means he never read Batman. <laughs> like, he was just Alfred. Yeah. The article talks about it. He's like, oh, I decided to pick up some comic books. And I was like, bro, 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 you've, <laughs> you've been Alfred. Um, but the, the article's really cool because he talks about, like, you know, the, the HBO being so supportive, how much Damon Lindelof loves the world, how much he loves the character. Like, he mentions how much fun it was in yeah. many, many times times uh and he refers to ozzy Bendias as the blonde man which is very funny which i think he, he's saying is from the script which i like yeah yeah yeah. i like that they play with the expectations and like we the, the twist of ozzy Bendias was like is he uh so, i do love the the phrase itself uh, it was only when i was asked to do this that i thought well i better read watch it <laughs> um, uh and i i do like he has awesome things to say about it, which is great. Yeah, so check out the interview. It was delightful. And you can also hear Jeremy Irons' very beautiful voice when you hear these quotes. He's one of those <laughs> people that speaks just like he sounds. Uh, we also – We also the- – and, and we'll get to this in the future. But like we've got the Titans season finale happened. The debut of Harley is here. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of stuff is happening over there. And, of course, we are in the middle of – Countdown to Crisis. It is a few days away by the time you are hearing this. So for those who have been eager for that crisis content, don't worry. There is zero way we are missing that thing. Next week will likely be very crisis heavy. And we're going to scheme some, like, year-end stuff with you guys. So anything we we haven't covered, uh, let us know what you wanted to hear about because it's been a very dense comic-y year and it's only going to accelerate. Uh, In the world of comic books themselves... Ultimate Venom is back. I love that you were like, there's got to be a new story. It's big. It's exciting. <laughs> okay, so I am a very big Donny Cates fan, uh, both the human and the writer. It's one and the same, but I like, I appreciate them both. Uh, and Donny Cates writes the hell out of Venom in a way that I never thought I wanted. I am a very, very traditionalist Venom fan, and his Venom is very different, but it's so cool that they, they both work for me. Like, I, I uh, there's this thing uh, that Marvel has three Thanoses. There's Jim Starlin's Thanos, there's Donny Cates' Thanos, and then there's Thanos, probably the helicopter one. One, but there's like the Marvel Thanos uh, and I feel like Donny Cates is doing that with Venom as well where like I consider it canon but it's also very different from Venom so I could see the polarity in the character mm. so Venom number 20 brought back spoiler alert if you're a giant Fantastic Four fan but it's really cool the entire like uh, what's it called the the League of Reeds uh, what the Council of Reeds Council of Reeds and with them they bring back the ultimate Venom symbiote and they say they can bring back the ultimate universe which is my favorite side universe 
I'm excited. We just got rid of that thing. Like 10 years ago. It, well, in 2015. When was that? Five years ago. Yeah. That's long in comics. <laughs> That's longer than most characters and stay dead. True. Yeah, nothing stays dead in comics. Uh, <laughs> this isn't Bucky. Wait. This isn't I, Gwen. Wait. I'm very curious to see where this is going. Uh, you know that I, I've never like been a huge – I didn't follow the Ultimate stuff as much. I kind of missed the boat on a lot of that. So it's interesting to see it coming back because I have not had much of a chance to particularly miss it other than getting <laughs> miles out of it and a bunch of other stuff that I do love. Yeah. Uh, but hey – if you've got a cool story to tell, do it. It's comics. I hit Ultimates at the exact right age. Yeah. Uh, I was 12. So when I – I had already been collecting and buying comics for years because my family is amazing. But Ultimate Comics were kind of my first like, well, I got a number one. And yeah. it felt – that was that, that pride you get when you're, when you're a 12-year-old. Like, but these are my generation. So I've got a lot of nostalgia to Ultimates and obviously the, the movie influence and all those things. So I'm really excited to see what they do. But also because it's so precious, it's precious to mess it up. Like I, <laughs> I, it, it ended and I love it as a whole. Don't bring it back unless you know what you're doing. Um, so I'm curious what they do with the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. Uh, and are you reading Shazam? I have not caught up on Shazam, so this was a very interesting uh, article to read through. So, do you want to tell the people or do you want to just hint at it? I'll hint because okay. it's, it's this week, uh, whereas the Venom was last week, and mm-hmm. I feel like I try to give you guys like nine days. Uh, <laughs> this week's Shazam by Jeff Johns is – it has a moment that changes the power structure of the team, and someone gets powers you would not expect. Mm. And it's very exciting because it's a really cool take, and I'm really curious. And it ends on a cliffhanger that has so many implications. So uh, check out check out this week's Shazam. Heck yeah. Uh, we talked about our pull list a little bit on the show. Uh, there's a bunch of great stuff out this week. I... Let's see. Any anything that you want to add that we yeah, didn't get to? Yeah, I was going to see if there's anything additional. Uh, read Archie. Um. <laughs> Batman Universe, The Butcher of Paris, Strange Guys Over East Berlin, Thor Worthy, number one, and Archie 709. Um, I will pull up that, that description on Thor Worthy. I can dig into a little bit more than I did on the show because it's one of these weird sort of random oversized one shot. And you never really know how those are going to be. But uh, the description on this one is rad. It is $4.99. It is out December 4th. Uh, and it includes a tale about Thor and Beta Ray Bill, written by Walter Simonson. I would say probably hands down, like, the most legendary run on Thor. Uh, like, now sort of alongside original Kirby and new Jason Aaron is the redefining run by Walt Simonson, where he was writing and drawing. In this case, he is writing uh, with art from Mike Hawthorne, who rules, and beloved veteran Sal Buscema. I love Sal Buscema. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the trio is joined by yet another unforgettable Thor team, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. I'm now reading from the description. Who will be telling an all-new Thunderstrike story, which is one of my favorite things to bring up when people get mad about replacement heroes, where it's like, were you mad about Thunderstrike? Uh, <laughs> finally, no Thor story would be complete without his most trusted companion, the Berserker, the Warrior Extraordinaire, the Lady Sif. Catherine Immonen wrote one of the landmark Sif tales. This is from the description, but I agree. In her run on Journey into Mystery, and now she returns for a brand new journey. Uh, so it's just a, a rad lineup of fun Thor stories, and uh, I wanted to draw it to your attention. And it's a nice book that you can just pick up without without tying to other stuff. Like yeah. You can just enjoy the book. Uh, these are some books that aren't that way because they're in a series, but they are very accessible because comics are doing a really good job being accessible. Uh, the new Black Cat book is actually fantastic. Black Cat number seven is out this week. Daredevil is written by Chip Zdarsky. And once again, we could do a Chip Zdarsky hour every week, and he does that for us in a newsletter. But <laughs> Chip Zdarsky is amongst my favorite writers of all time, certainly of recent times. And his Daredevil is, I'd say, I'd say up there with Miller's and, and Mark Wade's. Like, it's going to be a legendary run when it concludes. He is killing that book. Uh, Lois Lane has been brilliant. Uh, it's one of my big pulls this week. Yes. Uh, Kate Pride in Marauders. Mm. No longer Kitty. Kate Pride. 
is such a great character. I have loved Kitty Pride for years. Uh, I was so bummed to hear that Bendis and Tim Miller movie fell apart, which it had to because, you know, Fox. But, like, that was one of my, like, but maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the pipe dream of, like, if anything can, no. Uh, but Kitty Pride's amongst my favorite characters, so it's cool to see this take of her as a Marauder. So Marauders number three is out this week. Uh, we talked about Strange Skies over East Berlin. And then, uh, oh, friend of the show, friend of the us, uh, Web of Black Widow number four by the great Jody Hauser. Yes! Uh, Jody has yet to write a book I haven't enjoyed, and that is, she's not listening, but if she was, thank you, Jody. She's You're killing it. Real good at comics. Real good at comics. Yeah. She writes them good. Yeah. Uh, now, we also, I don't know what time we started, so I'm just going to We pretend. forgot to check. We are just doing a sh- It's post holidays, guys. <laughs> it's a mess. Uh, but we did get some great, I'm just going to jump down here. Uh, we got some cool Twitter questions. Yeah, I just threw a bunch in here, but you guys literally sent us within one day 77 questions, which I appreciate. And we'll try to get – we'll try to do a call to arms more often. Uh, but we're going to throw – like throughout the month, we'll refer back to this list. Like just because we didn't get to it Tuesday or today doesn't mean it's gone. All right. Greggles at Greg1756 asks, with the popularity of The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus, what spinoff arcs or runs would you want to see made for TV? 1609. Uh, and 1602? Yes. Yes. I actually need to check, Coy, is the rest of this pasted from Griggles? Is he saying, personally, I just finished New Mutants number two? Yes. And with Runaways finishing, the market is open for a young mutant crew to run the table. You know, you're not wrong. Uh, and I do think the X-Men should have a TV series because they're so dramatic. Mm. Like, the, the, amongst comics that is a soap opera, they are a soap opera. Yeah. So I'd love to see X-Men on TV. And I think they are going to want to use the main team in movies. So I think a, a side team on TV is a great idea. And then my thing is that I definitely want to get there. I have always been of the opinion that you need the X-Men before you can have the juniors, like, come in. So I think it will take time to set that up properly and get there. But I absolutely do want to get there. But can you imagine, like, a, a New Mutants team on TV that has cameos by the people that are in movies and, like, you see the same school and it's the same set and it's, like, you get to go home from school. Like, if you're a child, like, imagine, like, you you go home from school and you see, like, these characters that you identify with and you go to the movies and you see those teachers and it's, I just, I, it's so ripe. It's right there. Yeah. So 1602 would also be uh, really, really cool. Uh, now, if this is not specifically just Disney+, Plus. Uh, what spinoff arcs or runs would you want to see made for TV? Like, there's so many wonderful deep cuts across comics. Uh, we made a lot of jokes over on DC Daily when we were watching Swamp Thing about wanting, like, a spinoff for Blue Devil and a spinoff for Madame Xanadu. But, like, there's honestly infinite worlds that fold out from that DC Supernatural side. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love a demon miniseries. Yeah, Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know if we're getting an Etrigan and the Demon big screen movie at some point. And I know people want to see Justice League Dark, but, like, I love him as a solo guy. I would love... You know, we're getting a Loki time travel series. Why can't we have an Etrigan and the Demon medieval adventure That's that, true. like, comes forward and then has a surprise tie-in with, like, the Spectre? Who knows? I mean, all of that. <laughs> uh, DC has a streaming service. HBO is another streaming service. you got a lot of options. This is a pipe dream. This will literally never happen. It's also uh, – I got two. One of them is uh, Deadpool Illustrated. Uh, <laughs> have you read Illustrated? See, okay, I want that. I yeah. want see, and you're not gonna like this, but I think Deadpool should maybe be some TV stuff for a while. 
I, I am cool with as long as the budget reflects the character. Yeah. And, like, Mandalorian is expensive. Like, mm-hmm. if that, I will take a weekly Deadpool. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, a so Deadpool long that as... you can take or leave but still enjoy the rest of the universe is something that I'm cool with because that, for me, is how I feel about the comics. You can dip in and out. Deadpool can be there or not. Like, but he's just, he can do his own thing running alongside the rest of it. That's a version of Deadpool I'm very into. I, I think he has earned one more movie with his billions. And then I'm okay <laughs> if he goes to, like, and I want to say Ryan... I want them to apologize to Donald Glover with lots of money <laughs> and just give him that show. That is perfect. Uh, but my two are Deadpool Illustrated because I love the idea of him going through classic literature and just like Deadpoolizing it. And that couldn't happen in a movie, but it could happen on TV. Uh, and then, oh, it'd be like Wishbone. Imagine <laughs> Wishbone with Deadpool. Oh, no. oh, guys, Wishbone with Deadpool is the best <laughs> idea I've ever had. Oh, my God. He could even dress as a dog. It's Dogpool. Yeah. Deadpool, uh... Wishbone Deadpool. Guys, I got to go. I got to go write a show. Yep. Uh, and then also um, Spider-Man The Lost Years, the Ben Riley stuff. Aww. Can you imagine like the brilliant Tom Holland on a walkabout journey? Because like he's done like the Invincible and so many movies that are so like Oscar-y. Like a blonde Tom Holland like figuring his life out, man. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think we'll get Ben Riley in movies, but we can get him on TV. <laughs> There's also uh, there's a great stories like to be told with the, a lot of the side characters, and I would like them to go back to the well of cool interconnected New York stories. Yeah, um, like with something with like Firestar. You don't need to necessarily have new warriors and the rest of that, but like, uh, but I think that would be a fun area of the world to play in. But if they ca- they do do speedball, uh, dibs. I'd play the hell out of that character. Like, if anyone's gonna play speedball, call your boy. I mean, that would be so fun. And then I could be all emo and play penance later, and just like mope. Corey, you would kill it in both those parts. Give it. Uh, we have a great one from KB Tibbs, uh, who suggested suggesting short runs to help people get some base knowledge for upcoming movies. So, Birds of Prey might be difficult since Harley's a wild card, but Morbius, Eternals, Wonder Woman 84, Black Widow. Uh, or Elseworlds are discussed for films to avoid shared universes, share some favorite Elseworlds. Cole, you got anything on these? So, Morbius, I would go back to the jump. Like, I'd go to Amazing Spider-Man 101, I think, is his introduction. Uh, I love when Morbius is, like, able to be treated with some respect but also be kind of hokey because the character is <laughs> – I mean, it's a vampire in Spider-Man. Lord. He's a living vampire. He <laughs> walks a line. Uh, so you got to be careful with that line. Uh, and sometimes when they make him too serious, I'm like, guys, you know, his name's Morbius, living vampire. Yeah. So I think that the origin of him is fantastic. So I'd go there. So what I love is uh, if you have not been uh, following this, you're, you're missing out. But there is a brand new uh, right now Morbius book going on mm-hmm. uh, written by Vida Ayala, who is a writer I think is super awesome. And they have been going through uh, on their Twitter and showing a bunch of pictures of like all of the vampire stuff that they've just collected for their whole life in accidentally preparing for this. Like, uh, Avita Yala is, is, by the way, someone to watch out for. They have uh, the new James Bond comic that they're working on. Um, they're doing Morbius. They're all over the place. Uh, and I think they're contributing to some Superman stuff coming up. Maybe. I might have that wrong. I will check my facts. Um, but they've been popping up at DC in different places. But their Morbius is going on right now and is just trying to do some, some fun vampire times. The uh, Eternals is a tricky one, and I know that Koi is going to break down and read this stuff eventually. Inevitably. Uh, there is a more modern take from Neil Gaiman and John Romita, but I would say probably you are best off uh, either heading to the original Kirby stuff, which is going to probably be changed a great deal but sets all that groundwork out, or picking a couple of the Avengers stories uh, that Cersei prominently features in to kind of give you a sense for those characters. Um, because she was a major Avenger in, like, I want to say late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. not sure. Um, and that, that might be a window in to the Eternals, uh, if you're curious about that. Wonder uh, Woman 84? 
Wonder Woman eighty four. I feel like you know the 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 Max Lord stuff, right? Like, cause it's yeah. I'm hoping that we don't go too much. Like, I'm curious what we're getting there. Because he's so eighties to me. Like yeah. when I think of that character, he's so, like with the beyond. If you want to read about Max Lord, you gotta check out uh, him as the just kind of. Like, slightly slimy, but not actually a bad guy when he was bankrolling the Justice League or the Justice League International, the, what's called the Bwahaha era, um, the old uh, Keith Giffen. Uh, I've never heard of all of that. Really? I love that so much, the Bwahaha. I mean, I love you it. know what I'm talking I about, do, right? I do, but it's, per- it's, like Kevin like it's a perfect name. Uh, it is a wonderful, like, the late 80s, uh, Giffen, maybe DiMatteis, uh, maybe Kevin McGuire, but, like, the, there's a particular Justice League era when Booster and uh, Ted Core and Fire and Ice uh, and Guy Gardner and Batman and Black Canary. It's a really fun lineup and a really fun time, and it does a lot of the major work for Max Lord. While simultaneously here, okay, what I would do is read 80s Paris Wonder Woman because that is always a good foundation. Read late 80s Justice League to get a sense of Max Lord and then maybe jump forward into the, like, Infinite Crisis era those two confronting each other stuff. But what I'm hoping is that is less relevant than who they were in these 80s texts. I agree. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that with the character, but I think that time is important. So, mm-hmm. like, those comics are, are – I don't think the character study is what they can get out of it, but, like, that vibe. But the yeah, wah also- <laughs> yeah. um, I, I want to jump on the Black Widow one because I love the Sasuke sisters run. Mm. Uh, it's so brutal and so good and so important, and I love how they handle Black Widow. She's such a boss. Uh, also, the current run of Invisible Woman, Black Widow is so good in that run. Nice. Uh, Invisible Woman and Black Widow are two badass, like, uh, not assassins, but effectively assassins. Uh, <laughs> it's a great run. It's currently on right now. And then anything uh, George Perez touches with Black Widow is, is great. Uh Let's see. So I love uh, also you. I mean, for this movie specifically, we don't have a trailer yet, but we already know some things about it. And you will want to check out the Marvel Knights uh, branded Black Widow run, which is where they introduce Yelena, the blonde, the other Black Widow, who we, I think, either officially or strong guessing know is in this movie. Um, I think that might be I think it's can- I think real knowledge. Yeah. Florence Pugh is probably playing some version of that character. Um, but the idea being she's not the only graduate of this program and maybe not the only person to wear this name. Uh, and I loved a lot of – that was some of my first Black Widow stuff. The stuff that made me fall in love with that character was those stories, which makes me very excited for this. But as you mentioned earlier, Jody Hauser has a yeah, Black yeah, Widow yeah. book going right now that is fabulous. And there was a uh, Chris Somney, uh, Mark Wade Black Widow book just a couple of years ago that was also just fabulous action stuff. It's not necessarily that they're drawing on that. It's not necessarily that that character stuff will be the same issues. But you should read it because it's great. Yep, agreed. Birds of Prey uh, is, in fact, difficult because Harley is a wild card. She's not traditionally part of the lineup. But both she and the Birds of Prey have a bunch of great runs. Birds of Prey, always the best starting point, is going to be jump into the Gail Simone stuff. Everything Harley right now is good. Yeah, oh, my such a good Harley God. Time. The Harley books on DC Black Label are good. The regular books are good. My buddy uh, Sam Humphries your, yeah, your buddy is uh, killing good. it on, like, on Harley Quinn. The, the, the Harleen, uh, the, the, the Criminal Sanity book is one of my favorite Joker Harley stories ever. It, like of all time, and it's it's still ongoing right now. It's so good, and the, the young adult Harley's great too. Harleen, I think it's called. Like I'm just in love with the Harley books right now. Um, Harley Quinn, Bring Glass. Uh, yeah, Bring Glass. The one you uh, are thinking of that was awesome, and of course Harley's starring in an animated series that draws heavily, I think, on the uh, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, Chad Harden run of uh, the one the Wonder Woman. Wow, uh, Harley Quinn comics. So there's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> Fave Elseworlds that you'd want to see. 
Uh, I mean, we already said 1602, mm-hmm. which uh, I think the art would just be like, I would love to see that translated through mm-hmm. like a David Fincher lens. Uh, let's see. What do I want to see? I mean, Red Sun is everyone's dream. Um, I would love to see. Oh, come back to me. There's so many good Elseworlds. Uh, I was unprepared. I'm excited because we are getting a lot of this in the Marvel animated What If. Mm-hmm. But if we got to see uh, more standalone, self-contained, alternate universe stuff, um, I'm trying to check in with me after I've seen Crisis about whether I want a live-action Kingdom Come. Because I'm going to get a taste of it, I think. Uh, and then I will make up my mind. Right now, I think it's pretty perfect just as, as being like a comics-specific thing. But it might could be fun. Uh, and would involve, like, all those, like, background characters with the alternate versions, and that is is super, super you know fun. I wouldn't mind. I'd love, a, like, an old man Logan universe of, like, mm. westerns. Like, I'd like a different, just a, a, a totally different tone of, like, a group of movies. Like, mm. a, like a Marvel old man Logan. Because the comics have gone crazy. Yeah, like, there's now old man Quill. Yeah. There's another one coming up. There's, like, four right now. Uh, and they're all pretty, old man Hawkeye finished. Like, there's a, there's a decent amount of them. I think that, I think that's ripe for translating. Uh, I think that would be really fun. We're, we are seeing specifically with Mandalorian right now that it is very fun to like bring let different genre influences come to the fore when you're doing these uh, corners of the universe. And actually, there have been some Old West alternate universe versions of the Marvel heroes, which I would be down for. I'm a monster. You know what the answer is? What? The Amalgam universe. Aww. It's right there. I want Dark Claw. We're never I want, getting that. I want Spider-Boy. It's not happening. I want... I want Amazon. I want all yeah. these things so bad. It's never going to happen. But if, if we're pipe dreaming, that's that's the one. Oh. Days of Future Past is probably the other one. Mutant X. Oh. Nobody but me wants this. Not the TV show Mutant X from a long time ago, but a comic book run that I enjoyed about Havoc, who is never, like, the important center guy in any story, accidentally ending up as the, like, heart and soul of an alternate universe messed up X-Men team where Storm is a vampire uh, and Beast is, like, one of the many evil beasts. Uh, and... Uh, uh, it was real fun. It was so real fun. I don't know. You would have to do so much work to set that up. But uh, if it were like someday, someday, it's pop in on that. Not an alternate universe, but Generation X. Mm. Like, because that's just like it's unlikely to happen in the in the way we like it. But like, can you imagine the the Chris Pacello Generation X I mean, as a show? It's it is it is my jam. It is exactly like that's that's one of the core tenets of Amy and mine's friendship. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, uh, so thank you for these wonderful questions. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you so much to everyone that responded on Twitter. Once again, we will be using these for the weeks to come. Just because we didn't get to them today doesn't mean we are done with them. Also, uh, it is David said, just talk about Jeff the Land Shark and Gabby and Jonathan the Actual Wolverine, <laughs> and you're goddamn right. That could be a whole show. Uh, I would love to talk about the Land Shark. Who's in the new Deadpool? Kelly Thompson's Deadpool. The Land Shark is in it. Deadpool and the Landshark are homies now, and that's Coy, amazing. I am a fool. You know which else worlds I'm ignoring? What are you ignoring? Friggin' uh, uh, the, the spider, sorry, Peter Porker Spider-Ham. It's right there. It's, it's, and it, it, he has an entire backup character universe. And they're all puns. And they're all puns. They're real good puns. Every single one of them is wonderful. Guys, yeah. Okay, so that's another episode of Collider Heroes that we could do an entire, like, Elseworlds dream list. Also, uh, there is a canonical Squirrel Girl Howard the Duck team-up. It was beautifully <sighs> written by Ryan North and Chip Zdarsky. Uh, it is, yeah. Get that into something. Gotta get Chip Zdarsky on the show just so he can tell us how his brain works. I, we can't make words in front of Chip Zdarsky. I, Are that's you kidding? true. I, that would be a real struggle. Just tell us about how you draw and write so good and newsletter and faints. Uh, so until <laughs> next week where we are going to get more on these questions, have a wonderful holiday, enjoy the slightly slower season until it ramps up in a full holiday madness, hug your family, spend some time with them, talk about Thanos, and until next week, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. Stay little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, 
brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.